So in May of 2021, um, let's let's go back to Kamloops. There were preliminary findings of children's remains, and it did a lot of things to us as a country. Um, it stopped a lot of people in their tracks, opened a, a lot of people's eyes to the very harsh and ugly history of residential schools in our country, uh, spawned a lot of conversation about reconciliation, and created a lot of dialogue about the realities that Indigenous people have faced. But it also generated a lot of conspiracies and beliefs that this was all a hoax. The mass grave hoax was something that kind of started as of this discovery and still continues to percolate. So our guest has written an article um, talking about how uh, he fact-checked residential school denialists and debunked this mass grave hoax theory. A lot of work was done in this area, so we're going to talk a little bit about what those findings were. Um, Assistant Professor of the Department of History and Indigenous Studies at the University of Manitoba, Dr. Sean Carlton, is joining us. Dr. Carlton, thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. What made you want to, to write specifically about this, about the the mass grave hoax and about this specific conspiracy? Right. Well, since the Kamloops announcement in 2021, we've seen a sharp rise, actually, in what's known as residential school denialism. Now, this denialism, to be clear for your listeners, is not the denial that the residential school system existed or even that some bad things happened but rather like science denialism or climate change denialism, residential school denialism is the attempt to distort, misrepresent, or downplay Mm. basic facts about the system to try and undermine public confidence in truth and reconciliation. And the newest form of this denialism is people who claim that after the Kamloops announcement, uh, there is a media-led conspiracy to deliberately misreport the findings of potential or likely mass, uh, likely unmarked graves, as the communities were saying, as mass graves, uh, to shock and guilt Canadians into caring about reconciliation. So myself and Reid Gerbrandt at the University of Manitoba decided to fact-check these claims and determine the extent to which mainstream media actually made this mistake. Okay. And you um, you did a lot of work to look into this. You you analyzed 386 news articles. So talk, talk about just the, right. the amount of work that went into discovering this and looking into this. Sure, yeah. So our, our major finding is that uh, the claim that media almost universally reported these findings as mass graves is not supported by the evidence. And as you said, we, we analyzed uh, 386 news articles across five mainstream uh, media outlets, the CBC, National Post, the Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, and the Canadian Press, released between May 27th, which was the announcement uh, of the uh, uh, Kamloops, Mm -hmm. and October 15th, uh, 2021, which is two weeks after the first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And of those 386 articles that we reviewed, what we found is that the majority of articles, 65%, actually reported accurately on, on these stories. A minority... Uh, did contain some inaccurate or misleading reporting. Mm. Uh, However, the detected inaccuracies here can be easily misunderstood as mistakes, and most were corrected over time, as is common practice in the breaking news uh, journalism industry. And the most important finding is that only 25 articles, just 6.5% of the total, referred to the findings as, as mass graves, with the most appearing in a very short window of time and actually some of them using the term correctly in the hypothetical sense that communities should 
should look at these former sites for potential mass graves. Mm. Um, so I think overall what this means is that 93.5% of Canadian articles that we looked at in the spring, summer, and fall did not report these findings as mass graves. And so what we conclude is that what's going on is that residential school denialists are cherry-picking these few examples, and they are turning them into a, a conspiratorial counter-narrative to say, you've been all misled to carrying into this issue. Um, and these errors show that you don't have to feel bad about this anymore. And and you kind of using this as a, as a backlash or uh, a way to change the conversation. Yeah, cherry picking either, you know, some of those mistakes that were made in, in, in potentially some of those articles, or, you know, I would argue that most people aren't going to sift through almost 400 articles to find <laughs> the real truth. And so, you know, maybe it, you can't put the point the finger at all at mainstream media. Maybe it's it's people that are just sharing this information and wanting to believe in it because of of why other conspiracies and why and why other hoaxes, I think, take take shape and take charge because they you know it feels good to believe in the thing that goes against the the mainstream there's there's i think some some fight in that and some challenge in that for a lot of people would you agree yeah i think there are elements of that for sure but what we need to be very clear about is one of the things that we also looked at in the report is where this idea of a mass grave hoax originates okay like who who is pushing this in its original form actually edmonton has an interesting connection one of the first people uh, to kind of publicly come out and say this is all a huge lie was uh, a Catholic priest in Edmonton. Um, and then other far-right um, media uh, uh, analysts, some connected to Rebel News, um, were then further pushing this idea that there is a mass grave hoax. Later on, uh, as um, Premier uh, now Premier Danielle Smith was running for uh, that position. Uh, she promoted the idea that this was all fake news on her for social uh, her social platform. Um, and so I think what we need to understand is that m- mistakes in media happen all the time. Um, it's not something that we like to see, but in the rush to report on a confusing situation, uh, mistakes do happen. But the way in which some people use those mistakes to legitimize uh, kind of can um, conspiratorial arguments really needs to be challenged as a form of mis and disinformation. Uh, and we see this in a, a number of, of examples. One that we talk about in the report is the Sandy Hook um, sh- shooting mm-hmm. in, in the United States, where in the rush to report on that, some journalists made mistakes. And what conspiratorial uh, theorists, people like Adam Jones, um, Uh, who some listeners might be familiar with, what they did is they jumped on those mistakes and they said, see, this is proof that the government is colluding with people to bring in new legislation, Mm -hmm. uh, to take away our guns, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, of course, led to uh, a lot of things saying that these mass shootings are all, you know, paid actors and all sorts of harmful misinformation that really uh, has not helped the United States deal with that issue. And I think similarly what's going on here is that residential school denialists, um, <clears throat> you know, are, 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 you know, part of that conversation of understanding people like Alex Jones and, and understanding the ways that conspiracy theories can be used politically. Um, and they're trying to find those errors. And those errors exist, to be fair. Um, but they're just not, they weren't being almost universally made. That's the, the important part. They're a very small segment. And they're being twisted 
out of proportion uh, to kind of legitimize this counter narrative to push back on, um, you know, indigenous communities making these announcements to undercut uh, the credibility of survivors, etc. And I think that that's what needs to be challenged. Which in this case and in, you know, your other example about Sandy Hook, I mean, this can be incredibly dangerous and, and really damaging. But how do you counter it? What do you do to, to kind of shift the balance a little bit against harmful misinformation? Well, I mean, I think as we outline in the report that for us, education is the answer, right? As the TRC Truth and Reconciliation Commission Chair Murray Sinclair often says, education is what got us into this mess in the first place. And education is what's needed to get us out. So I think our argument is that instead of um, directing ridicule and outrage at denialists, which can sometimes give them a larger platform, what is needed is deep and reasoned analysis of their discourse to show why they're wrong or that they are misleading. Uh, And as more people learn to see these kinds of conspiracies, these denialist talking points, these forms of mis- and disinformation for what they are, then uh, we can more effectively disempower and discredit it and fight for that truth as the precondition of reconciliation. And I think this needs to happen you know, uh, at the dinner table. It needs to happen at the water cooler, in the hockey change room, in your church group, in your community, because these talking points feel good for some people who mm-hmm. don't want to engage in truth and reconciliation. But we need to find ways to to disempower uh, those kind of talking points so that we can get on with building better relations. Sure, because, you know, in some in some cases, you know, we're, we're seeing situations of denialists going as far as attempting to dig up these graves. And then in other cases, you're just getting a what I think is kind of a, a confusing understanding or misunderstanding of the situation as a whole. You know, people texting in as we're having this conversation, Dr. Carlson saying, well, I'm not aware that they've exhumed any human remains as of yet, or or someone else. I'm not a denier, but I think people would really feel better getting confirmations of what is buried in all these locations. And I think that's sort of a component of this larger mass grave hoax, this sort of this idea that takes hold that then sort of plants these little seeds of doubt and, and confusion for a lot of people, right? Absolutely. I mean, as a historian of residential school, this is the easy part of the job because people, you know, send all sorts of weird messages to me, show me the bodies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the thing is here that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission already identified using church and state records that more than 4,000 children died in these schools. Um, at Kamloops, we already know that 51 children died in that school. What is going on now is additional searches to determine, given the gaps in records that exist, are there more? Are there more children that potentially died that were not accurately reported? Um, And so I think some people think that, you know, saying, well, I want the proof when the proof, part of that proof already exists. Mm -hmm. You know, they think that that's them being skeptical. Um, But in reality, what they are doing, whether they're aware of it or not, is they are buying into this uh, conspiratorial denialist uh, frame that people are pushing um, to, to, to discredit uh, the process of truth and reconciliation as a whole. Sure. So if you really want it, like, here's the thing for, for folks that are texting in being like, show me the evidence rather than trying to direct your anger at people who are doing difficult work to potentially find missing loved ones. You know, I would imagine in Alberta, it's really popular to direct some of that anger to the Trudeau government, uh, who right now is stalling on making records available uh, to Indigenous communities doing some of that work. So 
there's lots of anger and outrage to be directed here. But instead of punching down, I think we need to push the blame pattern up. Mm. That if we really want to understand the full truth here, uh, we need to support Indigenous communities doing their research. But we also need to pressure government and church bodies to make the records that they have available so that we can understand that. What's your next area of of research? What do you want to look into next and and try to uncover? Well, I think that, uh, unfortunately, residential school denialism is uh, a continuing uh, story. Uh, Just last week, uh, Nigel Hannaford, one of the uh, former speechwriters of Stephen Harper, was at a Calgary prayer breakfast uh, pushing a lot of these denialist talking points, the mass grave hopes being only one of them. So there needs to be more work, I think, done, uh, you know, to help people understand that reconciliation is not a threat. It is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn about Canada's history and its relationship to what's going on today. And the more that we can do that in positive ways, you know, we have a shot at building better relations with Indigenous people. Um, And I think that, you know, more work needs to be done um, to not make people feel bad who, you know, who believe in some of these talking points, but to show them the evidence that what they are, um, what they are buying into is not supported by the evidence. You know, I don't, I I try not to think badly about people who want to see the evidence of death. Um, But I do think that we need to show them that 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 evidence already exists. Um, So I think that that's part of the work moving forward is to continue to help the public understand this difficult issue in ways that can create space for compassion and understanding rather than hate and conspiracy and racism. Dr. Carlton, thanks so much for your work and for making the time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. That's Dr. Sean Carlton, Assistant Professor in the Departments of History and Indigenous Studies out of the University of Manitoba.